welcome back to the Respect the Drive podcast. I'm Tedward, and today we are talking Honda Civic Type R FL5. We're taking questions from you, the listeners, which is great because now I'm able to get, not that it wasn't the thing I could do before, but I'm getting voice memos on the Instagram. That's what I like to see because then I can take your voices, I can put you on the podcast, and I can answer your questions, whether it's about cars, life, love, whatever the hell is going on. But it's more fun to have this segment. It feels more interactive. But man, the last few weeks, this I took a little sabbatical from the, from the podcast because I needed to focus on videos. I needed to focus on having a little bit of a social life. And, and what I've realized is that over the past two years, I've dedicated pretty much my entire life to the channel, to the podcast, to to making this a viable business, which it now is, which is insane to me that I could quit an engineering job and uh, become a YouTuber, an influencer, a creator. Those are strange words to say. And I got to tell you, when you're dating or when you're meeting new people and they're like, and what do you do for a living? It's weird. It's a very weird thing to explain to people because it's not the norm. People, as much as they like the idea that someday they'd be an influencer, that they'd have a YouTube channel or some form of like side hustle that makes the money or whatever. I got to say, you meet a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, and you tell them you're an influencer, you're a YouTuber. I make car videos. It's it's a very different response than you might expect. So, um, yeah, you know, dealing with that whole thing, that's always entertaining over the summer. Um, but honestly, I've just been saying yes to as much as possible and trying to uh, broaden my horizons. For example, last weekend, I went on a rally, the Rally to Give. Rally to Give is a charitable rally. It's uh, This year, it was from Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. We went to Burlington, Vermont, and then we went up to Quebec City, Quebec, which is pretty damn far. Uh, I've, I've never actually even been to Canada, which is crazy because... In a previous life, I was a world traveler. I used to travel like crazy. I'd do about 200,000 miles a year on an airplane. And I'd go all over the world to India, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Vietnam, China, Indonesia, whatever. Wherever your clothes were made is where I was working. And yet never set foot in Canada. I live in Massachusetts. Canada is like four and a half, five hours away at the speed limit. It's, It's not far. But somehow I'd never done that. So... My team, Team Champagne Ninjas, which I, I can now say my team, which is great. I mean, I'm part of the team. I'm like an honorary member of that team. But Team Champagne Ninjas, these are the guys that you want to rally with. Because not only are they good, loyal, awesome dudes, they got great machines. We took the LFA. Yes, 1,200 miles in an LFA. A Mercedes SL65 AMG Black Series. A supercharged PPV, a Chevy Caprice with a lot of power that looks very much like a cop car and came in quite handy to move vehicles out of the left lane when we needed to be, you know, on the pedal and getting to where we needed to go. We also had a B5 Audi RS4. Pretty rare in the United States. You don't see those very often. It's a wagon with a great green wrap. Incredible, you know, two-inch lift that lets it jump over things. And you've got a big light bar that Renscott manufactured. This car, you've seen it on Haggerty. You've seen it on my channel. Matt Ferris flogged it. Larry Casilla of MLNYC has cleaned it after the muddy events at Monticello Motor Club. And then we also had an Audi RS6, a new one. And that was really cool to have. So 
All the cars ran like clockwork, but more importantly, the guys that we were with, the Team Champagne Ninjas, uh, these guys are just the people you want to be with on a rally. We stuck together. We watched each other's backs. We partied hard every night. It was the best. And, and it's really good when you can go out. I mean, a group of like 50 cars and have five of you really stick together and, and look out for each other was fantastic. And, and I got to say, as fun as the rally was, uh, I think we might have had more fun driving home. We had a blast coming home from Canada. And, 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 and we thought like, you know, we're, we're in Canada. We got to be careful. We don't want to get arrested. We don't want to get pulled over. We don't want any trouble in Canada. So when we first started our drive back, we were like, you know, taking it a little easy, 75, 80 miles an hour. And then after a while, we're like, guys, we're in the middle of nowhere. And we just booked it. And we really, we made some good time, safe time, good time, safe time. That's the thing is the whole style of these types of big road rallies, like a gumball 3000 type thing. They're, and I don't mean this in an insulting way, they're like a little passe. Uh, the idea that you are going to roll into a city as heroes in your, in your supercars, I feel like that's like a little bit gone. And what I found to be really special about this rally was that the cars that we brought, while the Black Series and the LFA were certainly showstoppers, I found so much charm in the in the Chevy and the in the PPV, the police pursuit vehicle, and in the RS4 that that jacked up Audi wagon with a roof box. I mean, there's things about these cars that just really work, and they function so well. And I thought that when I got out of the LFA and got you know had to drive the Audis or whatever, that it would feel like, oh, well, I'll have my chance to get back in later. But no, I just fell in love with the what I thought were the support vehicles. And that's what I think is the big message here is that when you go on these road rallies or you see them on Instagram or YouTube or whatever, sometimes it can feel like it's a very limiting thing. It can feel like, well, I don't have a GT3 RS. I don't have a McLaren 600 LT. I don't have the Ferrari. So I can't. You can. You can get your buddies with your GT86s, with your Miatas, with your M3s, with whatever, and you can go on a road trip. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. You do not need a hero's welcome into a city. You don't need to be staying at the Fairmont. You can go to a Holiday Inn Express, not sponsored. You can have these experiences just with you and your friends. As long as you're together. And that's what I realized on this rally, which I already knew. I'm not like, this isn't some big epiphany, but I'm just saying, like, you don't have to have some ridiculous thing. Because uh, let me be honest here. I've driven the LFA quite a bit now. Nobody looks at it. it, it nobody even knows what it is. I mean, the people, if, if, if you know, you know, and that's great. And maybe you figure it out as it's passing you at 150 miles an hour at, you know, 6,000 RPM. And you wham, and people go, whoa, what was that? But I got to say, like, the, the idea of just having a team that you trust, that you want to be with, that you want to party with, that you want to go to dinner with, that you want to have a few drinks with, and then you want to wake up with and go drive another thousand miles with. That's the thing. I think that's that. So that's the message I'm going to give you guys. And, and that's what I always try to proliferate here because everything feels so exclusive, especially in the social media world. And it doesn't have to be. You can do it with whatever you've got. And if you got to go do a lemons race in a junker, that'll do it too. All right. Today, we've got Eddie on the pod because we got to talk Hondas, man. We got stuff going on um, and we're going to start off the podcast pretty much just diving right into it with no context. So your context is we're talking Civic Type R. But before we get into that, I want to thank Garage 42. I want to thank T. 
Team Champagne Ninjas, Craft Detailing, um, AVI Boston even, because they threw a big party right after the rally to unveil their new uh, facility in Newton, which is fantastic. Our friend Safi, who is a cannonballer, he was part of our, uh, our second place cannonball team. He, 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 him and his wife, Tiff uh, Barkawi Designs, they did an incredible job building out this facility in Newton. Now they're doing, you know, they, they do radar detector installations. They do customizations for interiors. They do sound system installations. You know, that's, it's, it's really good stuff. And I'm really proud of them for, for making that happen. Again, not sponsored, just, just some people in my life that I, I respect and I appreciate. And, um, you know, these, these people have been around in, in my life for a while. And these are the people who are, driving the Lamborghini in the snow doing donuts in the middle of Boston. So respect where it's due, really proud of them. And of course, craft detailing at Garage 42 in Woburn, getting the cars unstickered and cleaned very quickly after this rally, which was pretty impressive. So without further ado, let's jump into this Civic Type R, brand new stuff, let's go. This is like a, a synchronicity of a lot of upgrades that are minor because I mean, look, if, if, if I came and told you that I tune, I had an, let's say I have an FK, you have an FK and I tune my car, yours is stock. And you say, oh man, what'd you get out of it? And I said, nine horsepower. You're going to you, be like, who the hell cares? You wouldn't notice. You wouldn't notice. You yeah. wouldn't care. But the difference is I think this car, despite those numbers being kind of small, like a nine horsepower gain, a 15 pound feet of torque, that's not big, but I think I think the character of that engine is going to feel up. I think you would be able to close your eyes and know very quickly which which engine setup you're in. Yeah, I mean, I think I think what they're doing is they're refining their sauce, and Honda's been doing that sort of recipe for years. They aren't the type of company to reinvent the wheel. Um, they do it every other generation cycle. It, it appears, um, you know. The, the ninth generation was just a, an updated eighth generation Civic, and then the tenth gen was all new, and this eleventh gen looks, and, and it's on the same chassis and platform that's been updated. Um, this Type R is definitely a more mature Type R, just from the looks department. It looks a lot more European. I mean, it looks like an Audi. Well, and it's, in a good way. It does. I mean, I've always said my car is a sedan, looks like an A3. Yeah, it really does. They've definitely lost the hatchbackiness in the rear. Like you can't tell it's a hatchback until you look close. Yeah, and even your car was pushing the. It boundary. was pushing it, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm really excited to know what the weight is. I've, I mean, I don't know where people are getting numbers, but they keep saying it's going to be a little heavier than the FK8. That that's understandable. Yeah, the article that you sent to me it was the night before they released this press release. Mm-hmm. Um, had it listed at like eighty or eighty-one pounds heavier, but it also said three hundred twenty-six horsepower. So that was wrong. So I don't know how we, much we can trust that. Plus, I think that was a Japanese article, and we cannot trust apples to apples curb weight because curb weight on a ja- curb weight is measured differently. Yeah, and also there they might have lighter cars or heavier cars depending on their options whatever and before people freak out i know it's measured in kilos and not pounds i'm saying they literally measure it differently with like different amounts of fluid so it might be dry it might have three quarters of a tank of fuel it's just it's actually different what's in the vehicle when they consider curb weight in europe japan u.s i mean weight is also subjective i mean 
if if it's within 50 pounds of an FK, you're not going to notice Agreed. it. Agreed. Well, all right. Other things. A lighter flywheel paired with a revised rev match system. So I think that's impressive. That's because good. The other one was good. It wasn't perfect. wasn't great. It was good. It, it did great. the job, but it needed more. Yeah. It, um, it struggled at super high RPM. So if you're like at 6,500 and you're, and you know, you're, you're going for a downshift into a corner, it sometimes struggled. They're also saying so. it's going to have less torque steer. We've also got 19 inch wheels instead of the giant donk twenties that were on your car, <laughs> Stupid. which everybody had to swap out. You had to go Junk. to an 18 at the, at, you know, that was just the way to go. Um, I, I, I can't, Remember the last time I saw an FK8 on a track on a stock wheel because those 20s are just so absurd. You, you would, if you're tracking your FK8, unless it's like your first time ever, you would have clearly uh, switched the wheels out. I mean, you'd be stupid to run those 20s. They, they, they'd literally balled within the, the first day. Yeah, I mean, there was you needed some sidewall and you definitely, trying to forget the track, try running those on the street. God, it was a nightmare. You, you went through a couple wheels. Went through two, and, and then I finally got rid of them. But uh, even more importantly than that is the Michelin Pilot Sport 4S, which is going to be Great on it tire. instead of that Continental. The Continental was okay. It was all right. It, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything special, but it was fine on the track. It just felt like a concession, right? It felt like, why aren't you putting the best tire, the yeah. best, you know, max performance street yeah. tire uh, for a summer on this car? That That's the thing. It was um, cost. And yeah, probably cost and probably just an arrangement. Um, But then the other thing is this is getting better aero. They've definitely, they don't have any appearance of fake vents on this car. Everything is just, it is proper. This car is like built to do the thing and there's still no pricing. But uh, Car and Driver is still adamantly saying it's a thirty nine nine ninety nine estimate, which you know we'll if see. it's we'll see. I, I can't imagine it going much higher than forty two. So let's hope that's the case. They might have changed it just seeing the Corollas pricing as well. I told you that car was going to be fifty thousand dollars. Well, the the Maurizio or whatever sure. it's called, the but Morizito even then, then it's a forty four thousand dollar car, and then it's a thirty four thousand dollar car, and I. I know you don't get nearly as many goodies in terms of like limited slip diffs and all this other stuff. It's, in the, it's also, in the base. yeah, I mean, it's also, it appears that the circuit model and the other one um, are limited. So those are probably already called for by now. Right. I don't think anybody's getting those now. But they're also saying that the base Corolla, GR Corolla, is not going to be available until November of 23? No, 22. No. 23? Yes. So, okay. I'm, Did you not I'm remember confused. the whole con- thing? No, with no, the, I know, but I'm still confused. Set, I'm still fucking The drive said it was coming out this year. And then Car and Driver and everybody else said, no, it's next year. So I don't think it's not coming out this year. Oh, my God. So that's no. a long time. Whereas Honda is going to, people have been complaining that Honda is dragging out their, um, their their launch of this type R. They might be. They are a little bit. <laughs> but the thing is they they they've only given teasers. They're not like they they're not really announcing much. They gave people look you know, they gave people like me a look at it so we could poke around it. We haven't driven the car. No one's driven the car. Um and when they do, when this launch happens, I think the cars will start hitting shelves, right? Because we're already seeing they're already them. shipping. They're already shipping. They're already coming off trucks in Japan. So we know it's happening. And we know that Dory, Dory uh, has his cart. Um, oh, yeah. Tsuchiya over at uh, Best Motoring. He's already thinking of ways to make it faster. So. Yeah. So I, I just can't wait. I'm thrilled because this means people have been driving it. This means that people who are not me are driving this car and I want to. 
I want to as well. I can't I'm, wait. I think it's going to be a step up in terms of driving feel and dynamics. It it might not be any faster than an FK8 around the track or or marginally faster, like noticeable differences. Um but I think they're going to get the turn. It looked just by watching some of the ride-alongs on the internet that the turn-in is a lot crisper and and more direct. Um, not as much. Um, it looks like you don't have to turn the wheel as much to turn the car and get it to rotate a little bit. Um, but And the dampening looks a lot better. It it's still it's looks not pogoing. But it, it still looks, looks stiff. It looks stiff. It's a type R. Yeah. It's going to be stiff. I, I, what I'm excited though is the big difference on this car versus the FK is that you'll be able to change individual mode to allow you to have a softer suspension setting with all the other stuff in like plus R mode. Yeah, they needed to have done that the first time around, but which is really exciting. It's a little too late. So, but yeah, no, I mean, now colors. Are you going to go for a white like everybody else if, if this does end up happening? Or are you gonna go for some more outgoing color like red or blue or I already own a Sonic Gray Pearl car, Civic, you know, and I, I didn't really want that as my top pick because I don't just want to transform my car into a type R like that. Um, I think the only color that is specific to the Type R, that is individual to the Type R, is the uh, championship white. Mm-hmm. So that is funny because I hate white cars. I'm so sick of white cars. I'm so I can't look at another white BMW or Mercedes or you know whatever. Yeah. But something about a Honda in white like that, that championship white, is really special, and it's, it's, and it looks great. So, it is the color. I yeah. mean, it's the color on all the R models, but also on their F1 car in, like, the 60s. Right. And then Boost Blue would probably be my second choice. Mm-hmm. I think that's a real hot color for the Type R. Um, I love Rally Red, but I don't know that I'm a red car guy. I don't think you are. And also, I like to have a bit more contrast between taillight and paint, and I don't know that that's going to happen in that. Plus, it's just too much red because you get in that interior – Red it looks seats. like Ronnie McDonnie in there. You know? That's the thing. I think the the when they do like a limited edition or whatever, and they give us that yellow one, it is going to look like ketchup and mustard when you open the door. That's what I thought when it came out the last generation. I was like, oh my god, it looks like a ketchup packet, you know, <laughs> with string cheese. I think the black looks great. Crystal black pearl is fantastic. However, it hides all the lines. It mm. doesn't show you how bulbous and like wide the car is. Mm-hmm. And you also lose the definition on the the vents around the front quarter you panel. Forget, they don't exist. They just blend in with yeah, the Yeah, so I, I don't think it's great to, to photograph. And that's the thing. Like if I'm going to have if I'm going to have a Type R, I want to be able to go and take photos with it. And I think having a white car does that pretty well. Um, and then Sonic Great Pearl would be my uh, my third choice i think just because i do love the color and when i saw suchia leaning against it i was like oh my god do they have a silver or is that just a gray no silver Because i feel like a silver in that car would be the best daily under understated color it would look sexy and that's the thing that's like, another color that i'm so bored with like it reminds it's just a camry silver but like my god that would look so good on a type good on that with some black wheels oh tempting to like paint or wrap the wing in paint color because the only color that it's paint matched in is the black and it's not really paint matched because it's not going to be no it's it's just not going to metallic um but still i think i think if i if you take and wrap that championship white that'd look pretty hot yeah i think it'd look good um 
So now, so now you're talking about modding a car. This is something Ooh. also you're you haven't done that in your it's been a while your later years. So I've got to sell I got to sell some parts from the M3 because I've I had three sets of wheels for the M3. I had like the standard 19s with mm. the PS4s. I had the Winters on um, a stock set of 18s, and I had the Apex wheels, which I kept the Nitto 275 square setup on. And I so I got to yeah I got to sell the winters and the nittos the apex wheels, um, and then I guess I'm probably gonna do the same thing because this Type R is gonna do all the things my M3 did except for go sideways under power. They might fit on your car. The apex? Yeah. It won't look good. I want I want to go JDM well, on they're, this. They're bron- they're like a bronzy color. No, no, they're they're like they're like gunmetal. They're like anthracite or gunmetal. Oh, okay, or like yeah. That. It's time to go, anyways. Those are no. I want I want this Type R to be like obnoxiously Japanese. I want it to be on like TE thirty sevens in mm. bronze or like a gold five spoke Vogue or something like that. Like something that is just painfully toge. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> like oh, this boy really loves this car. Yep, that's that's what I'm looking for. So I I don't know how deep down that rabbit hole I'll go, but I definitely want it. Definitely. I think those cars complement aftermarket parts really well. Unlike a lot of newer cars, um, you know, I hate when people put like certain aftermarket things like taillights and stuff on like German cars. I'm like, the German cars are so good. Like, why are you why are you messing with that? You well, know? and the thing is, the reason why you think that, I think, is because a lot of the cars that people mod are cheap. And and I forgot about this because when I bought my Civic Si, all the Facebook groups were like young people or people with like who, who you know, just upgraded from like a ninth gen Civic Si yeah. or something. And not all of them, but a lot of them. And then the first thing they're doing is they're getting the tint, they're getting the wheels, they're they're getting like the lip spoiler and this and that. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? It's a Civic. And and I am the old man now. Yeah. That's like, why are you doing this? This makes no sense. Like, just drive the car. And I'm like, oh, right, because this is what people do. This is what I used to do or what like kids in my generation did when I was younger, which was you buy a car that is like mass, mass, mass produced. And maybe that's um, a contentious point because everyone's having a hard time getting one of these. (laughs) But you buy a Civic Si, like an eighth gen back in the day, and you would tint the taillights. You would make your car your own. So despite the fact that it's the same car that you're driving around seeing like, you know, a dozen of every day, you you modify your car so it's yours. It's your taste and it's identifiable as yours. And nobody can mistake that is, you know, Jay's Civic Si or Tom's Civic Si. Everyone knows whose is whose. And uh, I just happen to choose two names that are like synonymous with JDM tuning and racing. I was going to say, like, where are you going with that? <laughs> um, no, I, I think I think modification to a degree can be good on cars, especially cars that, like you said, they aren't perfect. I mean, there's always ways to improve any car. But then I think some people may go overboard, and that's when I draw the line. Well, and I think the reason that me and you would modify a car is to make the car go faster or to make the car do something that it couldn't previously do. So to me, the first modification on a car like a Civic Si, everyone's like, you got to tune it, you got to tune it. I'm like, guys, there's no tune in the world that's going to make this car fast, so it doesn't matter. Power is negligible. You can put 50 horsepower on this thing, and I promise it. Like, it just doesn't matter. All you're doing is putting your engine at risk. 
So to me, it's like, oh, well, you know, you get a sticky set of rubber. So then you get that sticky set of rubber. You find yourself being like, man, we're carrying a lot more speed. I think I'm going to need to put some, you know, higher temp brake fluid Mm -hmm. and maybe a more aggressive pad in the car. And then once you're doing that, you're like, man, now that we've got all this extra speed and grip and braking ability, sure does lean quite a lot, doesn't it? So then you're like, well, we're going to have to upgrade some stuff. So then you maybe you you want it to feel like it's got a lower CG. So maybe you put a lowering spring on it that's a little stiffer. But then you're like, yeah, but you know, th- that helps, but now it's bouncing, right? So then you got to go to the damper. And and by the time you're done, you've done a full suspension on the car because then once you've done that, you're like, man, these, these bushings are starting to wear because I'm putting so much fucking stress on them. So you go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Whereas like, the, so that's how I, that's the path that I would see me and you modifying a car. Absolutely. You, which is the total opposite of what 99 No, what do they do? They go and they fucking rip the suspension out tune. and put it on bags. And they and then they put a tune on it. And now the car's undrivable. Burble tune. And it's a piece of shit. Burble tune <laughs> until the stock clutch blows up. What muffler are you putting on it? Who fucking cares? I didn't put a muffler on it until a company gave me one. Because if, if that company didn't reach out and give me one... I wouldn't have put a fucking muffler on it. It's I not put, adding any power. Maybe if it was weight-related, I may have done it, but that car's a fat whore. <laughs> All right? That, that's Civic. I'm not, you know... The, the the reality when people are like, oh, my God, your Type R is so light. I'm like, bullshit no, is that thing light. That thing light. on the track compared to my competition, oh, I'm like a, 300 pounds she's heavier. She's a big girl, yeah. I mean... She's having a good time out there, but I she's... still have air conditioning. Yeah. All right? Yeah, you don't want that bumping into you. You're yeah. going to fall over. So it's, it's, it's funny. Like, I put a muffler on my M3, but that was purely because I was... And I didn't even put a loud muffler. The Corsa was kind of an in-between because I'm like, I'm not straight piping my daily driver. That was the best muffler. Do you remember we were looking at videos, we heard it, and then what? One came up used and it was austin it was austin's that's so, what it was which is so funny because austin runs valvetronic designs the muffler yeah. company and so he he was like putting uh like his own system on his car and so he was like i'm getting rid of this course at the time you want it i'm like yeah i want it I, that sounds really good so i put it on the car i'm like this is fantastic and he's like great um let me put a valvetronic system on your car i'm like no and he goes, what? I'm like, no, this course is perfect. I love it. It's- <laughs> we were looking at those right before it happened. Do you remember? Like we were looking at course of videos and then out of nowhere, he's like, oh yeah, I'm selling it. And I'm like, you got to do it. That's the one because it's, 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 it doesn't drone. It's just an axle back. It's yeah. just an axle back. It's literally, it is just mufflers. It's just mufflers. I kept all the cats. The car sounded insane at Redline. It was perfect for what you were doing, you know. And it was uh, quiet, like when it needed to be quiet. Exactly. I mean, it still was bold and it was still clearly an s65 but it wasn't offensive there's a difference no. between ooh, that car started down the street and oh my god what just started down asshole. the street what a dick you, you know? know and i and i wasn't the dick i was like huh what's that for someone who's had a lot of offensive mufflers in his life those s65s are some of the worst they, worst offenders they can be brutal if you go straight pipe on an s65 oh they are god. they are wake the dead so loud wake the dead so loud on the track holy shit are they loud it's absolutely crazy all right what do i have on my list um i have been re-watching initial d initial d initial d go no that's that's best motoring but anyway so i have been watching this and it's really interesting because what I'm realizing is that I have never watched it sequentially. I have always, I, I, I thought in my brain, I'm like, I have, <laughs> I, I, yes. If someone said, have you seen all of Initial D? I would say, yes. 
and I'm watching this. I'm like, I've never seen like 90% of this. I have must have just walked in on Chu watching it or Anton watching it and been like, oh, okay, sit down for an episode. And like, I'm like, wow, I had no idea. Yeah, the show. All right. So first thing, it's so funny you say that because I think it was like a couple of weeks ago. I was talking to Corey about Initial D and I'm like, we should watch it. You've never seen it. And we started rewatching the first season, which I hadn't watched in over a decade. I hadn't watched it since high school. And I started to watch it. And I don't know if you got this, but I started to realize that I totally missed the actual concept of the show. When Corey described it, so Corey was talking to someone else near me mm-hmm. and she was like, oh, I'm watching Initial D. And I'll, I'll, I'll say what she said just for context because there's probably a lot of people that are listening that don't know what this is. But basically, it's a Japanese anime show based off of like a manga um, or manga, manga. Yeah, it's a comic. Co- co- it's comic, a comic right. Yeah. And yeah, so this is not my specialty. I, I do not chase anime, but this is an anime based off of that comic. And essentially, it's a high school student who works at um, Fujiwara Tofu Shop with his dad. It's his dad's shop. And he does the tofu deliveries. He's been doing the deliveries up and down this like mountain pass for years. And he drives an AE86. It's a, a Corolla basically, right? And he, he, he over time, he's learned to drive as fast as he can. He doesn't even like driving. It's just that he wants to get home. He, mm-hmm. he just wants the job to be done. So the idea that he's like he's like driving this car and drifting it and doing insane things just to get home so he yeah. can do either do his homework or go out with his friends or whatever. He's just driving and driving and driving. And he's become really, really good at driving. And his dad puts like a cup of water in the in the uh, center console and mm-hmm. like a cup holder basically to be like, hey, look, like don't spill the water. Like if you cannot spill the water on your drive up and drive down, then you're good. Which is really funny because my dad used to catch me driving like an asshole and he, we had a mark three golf and i shared it with him it was his car but like i would take it when i was 16 and when i'd come home he'd be like hey you hitting that off ramp a little hard and i'm like no what are you talking about and he's like well the change is everywhere because there was like a little pocket on the side of the seat and there, he'd keep quarters in there and the quarters would be all over the floor oh and so my God. i was not apparently not good at keeping the water in the cup clearly um but anyway she described that and i'm like I had no idea that that was the concept of the show. Like, it, it totally yeah, was no, lost on me because I, I must have only lost watched way later seasons. I only remembered the show as a street racing show. That's the only thing I remembered. And the toge scenes and, and the sexual innuendos. Oh, and, my God. It's so misogynist. Oh, it's 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 quintessential 90s Japan. They're like every time, like, because they're high school boys. So they're like, oh, look at these girls. And then they'll just do like, bow, bow, bow. And they'll just show like shots of their their boobs their waist and their ass like that yep. like and they're like oh she's so cute and then they treat the women like dum-dums oh my god and yeah. they act like they're kind of woke they're the, like the creepy guy it's really weird they're all so creepy and i'm like oh god like i so i i, I actually realized i recommended the show to my cousin who's 12 and I actually, I'm going to have to have a talk with them now that I'm thinking about it to be like, don't treat women the way these guys treat women. You know what, women. though? It, <laughs> You're not your, going to get anywhere. Your cousin's 12. That's totally the appropriate age to watch this. I think it's perfect. Absolutely. Because uh, it's... and But like the best thing about this cartoon, this anime, is that it it really does talk about driving because um, Suchia from Best Motoring, he was the supervisor. Yeah. The production supervisor. And, and he was a rough inspiration for Talk Me. 
Yeah, which is uh, brings me to my next point. This is a really I'm glad that he didn't necessarily write it because if he wrote it based on himself, it's it sucked. No, it's just really cocky. Yeah, Be- no, no. I would it would have sucked in the sense of it would have just been like and he went for another pack of cigarettes. Well, so the whole <laughs> idea was this kid uh, doesn't really even care about racing, but he's the best race car driver, and all the girls think he's so hot, but he's so aloof that it doesn't even matter. Oh, honey, we're on a date. Yeah. Why are you looking off into the distance? Oh, I'm just thinking, because I'm so fucking cool that I don't even have to think about racing. I just win everything, and all the girls want me, and everything's great, and I have the best technique, and I can't lose. Well, that's that's <laughs> the first season. It is. The, the, later, sec- yeah. the later ones, as you will watch demonstrate that everybody becomes humble at some point it's true it just makes me laugh because like the the initial part of the show is no pun intended initial part yeah is very much like look how fucking awesome i am and how hot i am it's basically like an instagram model who's like looking off into the sunset Mm -hmm. like yeah man just thinking (laughs) just thinking about things and 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 like if you wrote that about yourself it would be really cocky because what like the guy in the in the the character seems humble but all the surrounding characters all they do is jerk him off so all they're oh, doing yeah. is talking about oh he's the guy that's the guy oh my god the he's greatest so good ever. he's so hot i had no idea he was so hot and he's so talented yeah. wow he must be so cool he must know everything and it's like okay i get it that it's all the surrounding characters but if you were the writer and it's about you you wrote other people talking about you in a nice way. (laughs) And so it's like kind of a weird thing to watch sometimes where I'm like, man, I really want to like, at first you're like getting chills and goosebumps because you're watching all these really intense races where he's in an underpowered car. It's his skill and knowledge of the road that's getting him the win. Yeah. He's doing inertia drifts. But eventually you're like, this guy needs to lose. Yeah. Yeah, no. I want to watch it. Yeah. It'll happen. It'll happen. Um, all right. The other thing about this show is, for the most part, it's really accurate about like what's going on with cars. Oh, I would say it's 85% accurate to, and especially in the performance category and the looks category, they got everything, mostly everything, not everything, but mostly everything correct and accurate. I mean, some of the cars in Initial D, like the parts on them, were accurate. Oh, I mean, for sure. Of the time period. But that's the what com- had. the whole show is exposition, which is interesting because what they do is they 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 use either internal monologue or random people standing on the side of the road to just explain what's going yeah. on. Like, why does this corner matter, right? Because otherwise, there's no. We've all watched racing. And most people think racing is boring as shit. So, which it is, it is most part. If you don't know what's going on, no. But like, what's great about the show is that it 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 amps it up by showing you why something matters. Why does it matter where this guy is positioned at Mm -hmm. this corner? Um, and the other thing though is that sometimes they're like they're bizarrely wrong about this. Now, keep in mind, I am not watching subs over dubs okay i'm watching the dubbed version i do not have the patience to read this okay i am i am listening to an english translation so okay? you're not a sub i'm not a i'm not 
<laughs> I'm not I'm not doing the subs. So that's the 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 old school anime guys are gonna be like, oh this guy doesn't even know he, he hasn't even seen it. Yeah, he's not his watch. Yeah, yeah, like everybody in who listens to this can be like, that's not the story. That's not how it works. Um but there was an episode I watched recently where he was basically pressuring a heavier car from behind to to like lose front end grip because he's just pressure. The R32. No, this is actually the uh, the Evo, the Lancer Evo. The, oh, so you're in two. You're yeah, in I'm in season two. two. Okay. I'm in right. I'm in stage two. Stage two. The they made this huge deal about how he's like losing grip, losing grip on his front end, and he keeps saying, "I'm losing pressure. I'm losing tire pressure." I'm like, "No, your your, your tire pressure is now too high because they're hot." I have a feeling that that is a a translation issue they probably said it correctly but the translation was didn't translate correctly over into english so they improvised and they just took something that they thought made sense like oh the tires that that's the problem yeah the tires are getting low because that happens to everybody but it's like your tires are not getting low they're getting hot which means the pressures are increasing which that's means curious the... you know what you should watch the sub version okay and I, just see what pops I'll up i'll go back instead because if it back. is tire pressures then so be it but yeah but i just thought fuck that would let that go right but that's when... the thing i'm like well if i know this then it should not have stood under suchia's watch well, yeah i was gonna say they're talking about you know engines and and the, the head work on some of these engines and then they fuck that up man yeah. i don't know so anyway highly recommend this because i over the course of this month i mean this is actually a recent development um just because i had I become a jdm fan i am just becoming that guy but um i i've because COVID slowed me down so much, like I've watched so much television, so much porn. It's no, not even porn, just like legit, like diving in, binging shows. And I'm single now, so I have to find shows <laughs> that that I didn't watch with him, because Good. I don't want to watch the shit that I watched with him. And the and the the con. Make sure that you change all the passwords so he can't watch them. Well, there is definitely still access to my Disney Plus, which I should probably change. Change that shit right Whoops. now. Um, but, man, I, I like, it, it's been a wild month, and it's hard to get motivated to do shit. Like, mm. you, I think, like, uh, you're in a similar position, I think, emotionally, but you have always had a schedule, if you want to call it that, a well, schedule. you've got a grid. You've got a grid life schedule. Yeah, you've got I to mean, go. Doesn't matter if you want to or not. You're getting in that truck yeah, and trailer I mean, in your car. I would say this year pushed me to my limits in terms of just effort, time, and energy. I have never been worked this hard. Um, the the amount of look at that Chris Amos calling. Oh, tell him tell him we say hi. Hang on one sec. Let me let me take yeah. this real quick. We'll put him on. Hey, Chris, what's happening? Christopher? Not much, man. Just calling to chat. Good time? Busy? I'm actually, you're you're on the podcast right now. I just I just put you on. I'm here with Eddie right now. Hey, Chris. Oh, hey. What's up, Eddie? What up? It's good to hear from you. What are you driving? What are you doing? Oh, I'm in a Hyundai Ionic 5. Um, just cruising to the studio, about to do a headshot. And I was like, you know what? I'm about to take a shot. It's time to call Tedford. Dude, how's that Ionic 5? It's kind of boring to drive, but <laughs> really, really cool to look at. Like, really cool. It's so beautiful. What color did they give you? Did they give that gunmetal gray thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
That's that's the one with the uh, like the, the Rubik's cube looking stuff, right? It kind of looks like if BMW didn't like uh, uh, self-immolate, this is what they would have become. It's got the really yeah. cool, colorful charger port. I remember that. I don't know about that. Does it have a cool, colorful charger port, Chris? Um, I haven't charged it yet, but uh, I think it has some, some type of cool charging situation. Yeah. It's um, yeah, it's all very interesting. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, it kind of looks like a big golf, like old golf, like a Mark One or Mark Two hmm. golf. It's really, it's really kind of bizarre. Well, I'm getting a ton of interference on my end just because phones, for whatever reason, do not do well with my podcast equipment. But do you have any final thoughts that you need to get off your chest here on the Respect the Drive podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I didn't. I didn't even know I was on the podcast. Wow, that's exciting. I think <laughs> the phone cut out when you said that, and I would have been uh, way more stammering if I had done well i will give you a call back later but thank you for uh inadvertently calling in all right talk to you later see ya well guys that's the topher yeah it's my boy all right i've got i've got a voice memo two voice memos from eli rubin ignition tube our boy over at fcp euro our little euro trash boy He's always looking for new Euro trash. He sends, I'm not going to tell you what he sent me because he always has, he likes to surprise people. Oh, he, yeah. He is looking for witty little money pits that I'm like, dude, even if you do this as a joke, it's going to ruin you. Great. Um, All right. Anyway, so here's the first one. I was going to connect this properly, but um, I'm just going to do it through the mic. Fuck it. Sounds good enough. Hey, Tom, Eli here. Big, big fan of the show. Uh, Long time watcher, first time voice (laughs) typer. Uh, Anyway. Um, curious, when was the moment when you, it kind of clicked in your head that you could do this YouTube thing full-time, and how did that change your perspective on uh, the day job that you had, as well as, like, your potential future that was possible now? All right, so there's another one coming up, too, but that's a really good question. Um, there wasn't. I actually got so sick of my job that I was going to quit it whether you I had it. Yeah. I had to quit whether I had a, had this lined up or not. I remember we had this discussion for months before it actually happened of can we can you actually do this and, and survive? I knew that I could make enough money to pay my bills, but I didn't know that I'd be able to make enough money to like have health insurance, right? Health insurance <laughs> or, or keep camera equipment going or whatever right. the case. So at the time, uh, my channel was definitely not sustainable. It was maybe making like a, 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 a couple to a few hundred dollars a month. Like it wasn't nearly enough. And I was making a little bit of money on um, Winding Road Magazine and yeah. some other stuff. So I was probably able to, cle- like I said, I was able to clear my bills, but I, I thought Chris Amos, the Topher, who we heard from earlier, he is somebody who was like, dude, like y- if I can make this work, you can make this work. And here's, here's what you got to do. And he didn't tell me what to do with my content. He just told me if you're consistent, it'll grow. Um, and then I figured it out. So yeah, I wish, I wish there was a moment where like I said, oh my God, I always tell people like if I'm on a dating app and someone asks me what I do, And they're like, oh, you're a YouTuber. I'll always use the same thing, which is kind of a lie, which I say, yeah, once I realized YouTube, um, once YouTube got big enough, I quit my job. That is not true. I, YouTube was not big enough. I was totally like, oh my God, what am I doing? But I couldn't stand another day walking into that office. I couldn't do it. 
Yeah. Yeah, it was a rough patch for sure. So, and then yeah. COVID hit, and, and it COVID made it hit. even worse. Well, COVID actually made it better for me because it meant that I didn't have to worry. Like, when without COVID, when everyone was doing stuff, I would have felt like, oh, man, I got to save money so I can't go out with my friends oh, yeah, and blah, that, blah, blah. That is true. But COVID hit, and no one could do shit. So it was like, oh, good. I'm not missing out on anything. All right, second one. I don't know if this is the same thing twice. One more question for you, um, and this one may be more of a, a metaphor, let's say. Uh, let's say you you know you it's been a while and you finally you know you, you get it in gear um and and you start accelerating let's say and and red line is approaching too quickly uh what do you think about to help you not hit red line as quickly what's what's your secret to to lasting longer before red line nah. <laughs> Well, thankfully, today's uh, podcast is sponsored by Hims. Uh-huh. I wish wouldn't that be great? Then we'd have those um, those. They make wipes for the. Oh, so, they do. So that way you don't. It's like a. It's like a numbing wipe. So, numbing you wipe. so you don't. So you don't. So you don't. I'll be quite honest. I don't really have that problem. Oh, good for you. Um, think about baseball. Think about something boring. Um, take a break. Slow down. Mix it up a little bit. Uh, we got a young audience, I think, in some regards. So I'm not going to get too graphic and explicit. But you know, there are many other things to focus on than that. So you can always go and mix it up, and they'll be like, "Oh my God, look at you're you're." I didn't think you'd switch it up this way, and you can act like it's all part of it, but it's really just so you're not gonna, you know, be a disaster and um and over rev and, and over rev. You don't want to bend those valves. <laughs> You don't want soft valves. <laughs> valve stems, valve stems belong. You do not want to blow that rear end up. <laughs> oh my goodness! I gotta thank him for this. That's, That's a good, good stuff. Question. I'm surprised it wasn't about some sort of trashy Euro car that thinks which is better. I agree. All right, so let's take a look. We've got a lot of written questions. A lot of people. I, I, I asked for voice DMs. People are scared. They're so people scared. People don't want to be heard. I mean, look at he's over, he's over here asking me how to. How to last longer, not hit red line. I mean, to be fair, you're a good candidate to ask that too. I guess so. Just saying. All right. So let's see. Got the um, experience. Dylan, uh, some of these I'm not going to give actual names for because they might be asking like more personal questions. But Dylan Kroll 20 says, what are your opinions on new drivers having fast or powerful cars? That was me. It was you. <laughs> and it's a miracle you're here. No, no, no. Okay. My first car was not fast. It was powerful. Well, powerful-ish at like 200-something horsepower. What was it? Fast. It was the Mercedes. Okay. I wouldn't call it fast. Yeah, but you're telling – I'm asking because you have to tell them. Yeah. So so, so my first car, though <laughs> – You're on a – you're not that, just talking to me. You're talking like – No, no, no. I people. know. I know. So, Dylan, my first car – Good memory. – was an E39 M5. Right. Which is too fast that for was a 16-year-old. fast at – no, no. I was, I was 19. But okay. I was still, I'm still not right. 20. Still not my – still my teens. I cannot believe I'm not in jail owning that car. I like seriously the things I did in that car. It's I don't even like talking about. It's like seriously yeah. stupid. And and back then those cars weren't. They were old, but no one really thought of them as these collectibles. So I mean, fuck, I beat the shit out of that car. I would first, second in that thing, and then third, and let the thing spin the tires up. Yeah. I mean, but I think, I think I if there's one thing I learned is how to respect horsepower out of that car oh yeah because i mean i learned a lot about driving dynamics but but you have to have respect cars like that demand respect even with the best traction control the best nannies all the lane keep or whatever the hell it is now 
you can still get in trouble with Agreed. over 300 horsepower. And and the all the other thing is that no matter how much power you have, obviously a faster car can get you into trouble quicker. No matter what, yeah. But a slow car is still just as dangerous because our driver education focuses more on how to parallel park and avoid an accident at one mile per hour than it does on merging at 70 miles an hour onto a busy freeway. Yeah. And that's a huge issue. So I think at the end of the day, if you are a conscientious driver and you recognize when, and, and I really mean recognize when it's appropriate to, let's say, bend some rules with enthusiasm. Spirited. Spirited driving. Yeah. This is a thing that <clears throat> I wish it could be taught more, but it's more like a feeling. And I always say, like, if you're leaving a car show and your heart is pounding, no, don't do whatever you think you're yeah. going to do. Just cut it. Yep. Cut the shit. Turn the trash control back on and do not rip out of that parking lot. If your heart's pounding, don't do it. If you're calm, think maybe that's fine. But like, if you're ever approaching a situation and you're sitting there going, and your heart beats twice, three times as fast, don't do whatever you're going to do. I was going to say, if you think it's a bad idea, then most likely it's a bad idea. Yep. And especially if there's people in the car. That's what I mean. Especially if there's people in the car, do not put people at risk. Do not put other motorists at risk. So, you know, this is the thing is that there was a kid that died up the street pretty recently um going really i mean god the car was gone it was what was it i forget what the car was it might have been like an infinity or something but he just graduated high school um and there was like three kids in the car i don't Uh, i think only one of them i shouldn't say that i don't mean like only one of them died but when you saw the car you're like i can't believe anyone survived this um i don't think they were wearing a seatbelt. i'm not sure but either way they must have they were on a really narrow road with no options right like you know how we talk about racetracks like palmer where you're like wow there's nowhere to go if something goes yeah. wrong this is worse because it was like trees. it was it was barely a two-lane road and it was trees like practically growing into the pavement oh so i'm like this was just there was no hope if, <sighs> if anything went wrong and they must have hit at like 70 plus um and so that's what i mean like choose your battles um I, it's a hard thing to teach because it's like teaching someone. To, I don't want to teach people to drive fast anyway. I don't want them to be. I don't want them to be illegal at all. But I, yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> I was also gonna say when we were younger, it was a lot different. I'm not saying it was still a good idea to, but I'm just saying it was a lot different. I don't know if that's true. There I was less cars on the road. That's probably way true. less cars. But on I the think road. I think the reason things always feel different, like oh, it was different back then. It's like well, because you were different back then. You know, no, I think that I think the conditions have gotten ten times worse. I I I mean, I was looking at some old videos of what I you know of GoPro footage. There was nobody on the road at ten o'clock. So I mean, nowadays, and and remember, everybody's got a camera. Everybody's got a dash yeah, cam. Yeah, you don't want to get caught and, doing and, dumb shit. And people are ready to. Tell the police. Too. I mean, look, there's so. you'll, you'll watch me in most of my videos. There are roads that I know a lot of people are like, why are you driving so slow? And it's like, because there's houses and I'm yeah. on camera and I wouldn't drive here even if I wasn't on camera. This is why like I, I like driving the slower cars more. Like when someone gives me like a 356, like an old Porsche, I have more fun in those because I can do 45 miles an hour and wring its neck. Yeah. Whereas like you put me in an Aventador and it's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm just I, putting around. Now that I've done it for a lot of time, uh, a, a long time, when you can go to the racetrack or an autocross course. So you know what? Maybe that's the answer to the question. What's my opinion on new drivers having fast, powerful cars? Don't, because you can't even use them. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Get a slow car and, and learn how to get a slow car. Get a Tercel. 
get a Tercel on donuts and learn how to drive the nuts off of that thing at 48 miles an hour. And then, then we'll graduate you to the Corolla. Sizes and everything. <laughs> All right. So let's see. What's the next one? Um, mm, what can we as drivers do to educate non-enthusiasts as to how to not drive like shit? That's from uh, Jake K. Hader. So what do we do? I think it starts from the bottom. I mean, I think it literally starts with driving education. I mean, the the, the programs that are here. It in does, the but States we're here. What do we do? Like, how do you quote, how do you backseat drive without being an asshole backseat driver? Like, how do you tell somebody what not to do? My my approach to this is the is the kill them with kindness thing, where like when somebody does something good, when someone zipper merges properly, when someone lets me in, when someone does something that I'm like that was good driving, I wave to them. I yeah, really do. Yeah. And especially if I do something shitty. Because sometimes, you know, you're like, oh, shit, I got to get off at this ramp. I can make that. It's a little tight. It's maybe not as many car lanes behind me as I would like to leave for this person, but I'm not going to hit the brakes. You get in there. You give them a wave. You make sure that they know that I'm not the asshole taking their space. I know that it was tight, and, I, and I'm giving you a wave to let you know. So yeah. I, I, think, I think just being courteous is my big thing. It goes a long way, for sure. I remember people who waved to me. Not yeah. many wave to it me. It goes a long way. Do. It goes a long way. So even when I pass somebody on like a two lane road, like I'll give them a wave just to be like, hey, thanks. Because I'm not I'm not passing you to flip you off. I'm yeah. passing you because I just have the room and the power to do it. Yeah. That's fine. Um but like, yeah, what would you do with somebody who you're in the car? You're in the back seat yeah. and and you know, a family member, because I we've been there before. Holy shit. Even our friends. I mean, biggest, we're not gonna call them out. Biggest but... fights of my life. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think for me anyways, immediately getting on someone's case about their driving is not the way to do it. Right. You know, after the thing has been done, what whatever the case is, and you go, what the fuck was that? That's not going to solve anything but just get him more amped, and it's not going to teach anybody. No. I think the best way to do it is go about is is not only trying to explain what happened, but also maybe show them when you're driving. It's true. Like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Because, I, I mean, I'm a visual learner, and watching other people drive is how I learned to a degree. Agreed. That's how I learned how to drive a stick, which is watching other people drive a stick. You, you could have told me a million times that, you know, you're not supposed to, you know, go left on a red or whatever, you know. Um, I'm just making something up. But sure. If you if I was watching someone and then they say, oh, yeah, you really shouldn't do this then I'm not going to do it. It's weird how defensive people get about their driving in that regard. And it's funny because like we, when, when I think of someone backseat driving for me now, it's literally because I'm like, Hey Eddie, should I break later here? Like on a racetrack? Like mm. I want, I want your input. Like when I, when I go yeah. out with you, I'm like, I want your input. I want to know if I had more to give. Yeah. And it's funny because I think like the mentality of driving is like, don't tell me what to do. There's a lot of association with driving and your masculinity. That's such a bizarre and is, thing. And I think that is, to, A, total bullshit. Right. Okay. Uh, because obviously, I mean, I've seen it at this point. It does. They do not correlate at fucking all. No, it, it makes you a, a, a bigger hothead. Like, total dipshit. And also, you know, that's not even true because I've seen like really vilely aggressive women on the road too. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You're going to kill that whole family lady. What are you doing? Yeah. Tesla driver. It's nuts. All right. Well, I guess um, we need to see a therapist about this one because I think we need uh, a little more than just 
gentle talk because people don't people don't want to be told what to do. But no. also, for example, my ex would stop after the stop signs, like practically in the intersections. Oh, what the fuck? On these like busy city roads, and I'd be like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "We're gonna fucking die in this car," and I really didn't know what to do because I knew that he was not going to be receptive to that. So I just used to close my eyes. So so what? So hold on, I'm just for the for the listeners, your best case situation is you're in a situation where the person blows a red light or or drives erratically is to just close your eyes and say well this might be my time yeah i know that sucks but it was like it was gonna turn into a huge fight but but you've been in the car and i've been in the car with you when you've been like okay enough 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 yeah and you listen and and i i've listened and whoever else has been driving you've done it with me you know other people and and that works just fine. Yeah. But, I mean, in terms of, like, rules, like, following rules, I'm not talking about speeding or taking a corner too fast or whatever. Basic rules of the road. That is very hard because a lot of people have different ideas of what a rule is and what isn't. So, in terms of that, unfortunately, it has to be learned in the beginning, in my opinion, it's very hard to teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah, I agree. Man, all right. It's, so that seemed like a hard question, right? That, oh, that's a very difficult question. That's the same question that everybody has. Like, how do you tell your 89-year-old relative to stop driving? Yeah, I got a harder one. Oh, fuck. <laughs> all right, let's go. So this one, I'm not going to give a name on this one. How do you come out to your parents? Sorry, not car related. No, no. I mean, that's oh still my a God. great question, but you holy know, shit. I wish. Remember with those campaigns that were like, it gets better. It gets better. Well, guess what? It doesn't really get better. <laughs> uh, I mean, you get older, I guess. So that that changes. But um, I think, I, I think like, I mean, I'm saying this because I've never been in this situation <laughs> myself. Other than I, you know, I may have come out as just being a total arrogant douchebag. Well, they knew that. You didn't but they would have they would have known that years ago. <laughs> Um, I think it depends on the family or the people you're, you're doing it to, because like sometimes there's no changing people's minds. Right. Um, so there's two things that I would consider. Um, number one is, uh, you need to consider what's my support system Mm -hmm. because you need to have more than your family. If you were concerned that your family is not going to accept you. So like anything in the world, like if you're, if you might go into a room and like drop a bomb, um, that is going to change things you need people that are going to be able to support you so if you're like and that really depends on your family like if you if you're in like a hippy dippy family in vermont like chances are your mom's not going to kick you out of the house with her birkenstocks like you're probably fine that's great but if you are actually concerned that like this might end your relationship with your family and it might end it immediately like you know, there's varying circumstances mm. on the spectrum. So make sure if you're on that side of the spectrum, like, do you have a place to sleep that night? Um, do you have your stuff? Like, and, and I know this sounds insane, but like people really have to go through this. They have to like pack Ugh. people. There's people who pack their bags before they come out to their family because they're like, I might not be here. I might have to go. I might never see them again. Now that's like fucking horrific. And I'm hoping that you're not in that situation, this person, because I think most people aren't quite in that situation. That it, it's it's becoming less common. But that is why, um, you know, gay and trans youth were and still are completely impoverished. Lifespans very low, especially trans youth, because people just fucking kill them because they're forced into like basically you know uh, um, sex work, and then it's very 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 dangerous because if if the people 
decide that they're going to get violent with them, then they're just going to kill them. Wonderful. Um, it's oh god, it's oh, terrible. What a horrible way to answer this dude's question. Um, there's okay. no good answer though. No, I there's mean, no, look, there's no, and and everybody's different. I'll, so. put, I'll put it this way. Most, pretty much all of my friends are not like fully alienated from their families, even if they had like rough families. Like I knew one person who was basically like his family was in like a religious cult, essentially, like really hardcore and they did not react well. Um, and it took a lot of time, but I think a couple of things. So number one, have your support system. Number two, be really confident in yourself because despite what maybe negative things occur, during this process, you need to be confident that there's nothing wrong with you. Absolutely. That's the biggest thing is because if you're somebody who is going to take their, it, it's, it's your family is unique. There's almost nothing like your family can set you off like that. <laughs> and it doesn't take much. Yeah. And anyone, any, any adult who goes home for Thanksgiving knows, knows that it. they yeah. know it. They know that they're infantilized immediately. They are right back where it was. And their mother, their father, their siblings could say one thing that is just so, Oh, that's the thing. And you just turn into that person. It's like that Ryan Reynolds movie when he goes home to try to remember, remember, um, he has a red Porsche in the snow. Anna Ferris is in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, Anyway, yeah. he goes home and he's this big, successful, super sexy guy. I think it's like Just Friends or something like that. Seen it, and he yeah. wants to go impress. Well, he gets stuck at home for Christmas or whatever. And so the whole idea was like, well, while I'm here, I'm going to impress like Jamie, whatever her name is. And he can't because it's like he's he's right back there. Like he lets them put him back in that box. So what I'm saying is don't you need to be so out of that box at that point that you need to be able to confidently say like, look, no matter what their opinion of this is, I know that I am okay, that I am right. I am an okay person. Nothing is wrong with me because of this. And if they have a problem with it, it is their problem that they will come to terms with and I will leave the door open for them to come to terms with it. they need to. Now, the other side of this is you tell them they embrace you with tears and say we've always known we love you and thanks for telling us and that's fine that's maybe maybe more common now than it used to be um or it might just be awkward because you're like the weirdest thing about coming out is like having to talk about sex with somebody that you don't want to talk about sex with yeah that's gross yeah like if you're 16 years old and you're a girl and you're straight do you say mom dad i love dicks no, that's disgusting. That is fucking disgusting. That is so weird. But this is what gay men and women have to do all over the country is they have to tell they have to tell their families what they like to fuck. And what it's gross. Prefer, yeah. It's so gross. I hate that we have to do it, but I guess you got to do it because then it's maybe less shocking when you bring a boyfriend instead of a girlfriend home or something. I don't know. I don't even, you know, I, I would love to be in a post coming out world. Um, that would be really just neat. normal. Yeah. We're not there though. Uh, yeah. So, fuck. I think I spent more time on the negatives just because I'm worried. Um, because you're because you're worried. Because the question was brought up. Right. Yeah. So I want to make sure that I'm sorry. I, I always go to worst case scenario. Um, that is probably not the situation that you're going to run into. But just be, be you know, have a close support system. So you, you've got friends to lean on. Um, real friends, not bullshit, like not someone who's just going to be like, well, whatever. Um, make sure that there is, in, if it's needed, somewhere to sleep. Um, and then make sure that you leave the door open for your family because if it is a shock to them, if it is something that they adversely react to, um, 
we need to be forgiving. They need, need, they need to process it sometimes. Right. So we need right. to have a little bit of grace. You know, some some kids come home and they say, Mom, I, I drive a Toyota. And they can't come out of the house for the rest of their lives. They're like, no, this is the fucking Honda family. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, I bought a Hyundai. I know. I, I Get know. out. Exactly. Go home. Get out. Not, not in this house. I Go back know. to your father. I don't know. So... Uh, best of luck. I hope, I hope that goes much. I'm sure it will go. I'm sure you'll be okay. I'm sure you'll be okay. But just know that it is, there, there is support. There are people, you are, you are, you are you and be confident in yourself. Um, sometimes it takes a lot of guts to be able to say that I was 20 and I had just had my tonsils taken out. And so I got literal liquid courage because I was taking Roxaset, which is a liquid Percocet, essentially. Mm. Like, a, you know. Yummy. Yeah, great. So I was on <laughs> opioids. Good. That's helpful. Um, and I remember I took a little bit for the pain. And then I went and told my mom. And uh, it went well. But then I woke up like, you know, I fell asleep because it just puts you to sleep. And I was like, oh, God, did I do it? It was so terrifying. It was weird for a while. Even though my parents reacted really well to it, for the most part, it was still weird. It's still awkward. Yeah. Because, you, you, you know, there's still that unknown. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it was just weird. And it was like a thing where you're like, oh, like we have to adjust. And also, like, I didn't wait that long before I knew because I was kind of like figuring this out on my own, too. So I kind of just was like, oh, I'm just going to compound this all in, in a, within a few months. And I was just like, rip the Band-Aid off. I think sometimes that's the right way though yeah yeah i don't i don't i don't hide things very long all right let's take one more um there's a here's you know what here's some good quality here's a good quality question from jonathan k18 cam why is braking while steering difficult eddie the front wheel drive king hmm. why is braking while steering difficult well in in my particular situation you're asking the car to do everything on the front so when you're braking and turning, you're losing mechanical grip. But at the same time, you need that mechanical grip to slow down. That, those tires are the only thing you have between you and the pavement. Which is interesting, too, though, because braking while steering is actually also the best way to get around a corner in some regards. Yeah, in some regards. And in, in, in some situations, trail braking is the right way. Like in Big Bend at Lime Rock... You have to trail brake. That's the fastest way around that corner. But on the street, most of the time, it's an emergency last resort situation when you get to that point where you're braking while turning. You're going around a corner too fast, and you are deep in the pedal. And yeah. I mean ABS everything. Yeah. The car is literally on the, the edge of locking up. Even with ABS, it still can happen. Right. I think the best way to look at it is that your 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 a tire only has so much friction. Exactly. It only has so much grip. Can only do so much. And so if you're asking it to break, you're asking a certain amount of that your that available grip to mm -hmm. be used. If you're turning, you're asking for a certain amount of available grip to be used. Now the reason why trail braking or settling a car into a corner on the brakes can be helpful is that you're putting more weight over those wheels over those tires and you're actually expanding the you're doing two things you're expanding the contact patch because you're you're deforming the sidewall so the tire actually gets wider yep. under braking which is good because now you have more available grip um and you're also putting more force over that tire so it actually 
it's like it's like if you put your hand on a table and you put almost no pressure on it and you move it forward and backwards it doesn't take you know there's you can feel a little bit of friction on your on your fingertips and your palm but then if you put all of your body weight and try to move your hand you can barely move it right so that's good when you when it comes to grip because you want to turn you want all that available grip so you're actually giving the tire more grip because you're putting more force on it but if you're asking it to also break then that's where you have problems so you want to settle the nose in on those brakes and then peel off the pedal as you're turning mm-hmm. in so you just want to be balancing that there's it's, a definite there's definitely a balance going on there because you give too much brake that's when you get into sticky situations the car gets unsettled you don't give enough brake it's the same thing the car gets really unsettled because now you've taken the weight off of the front wheels and now there's nothing exactly so yeah the car is doing its own thing so if you take a a rear wheel drive car for example and you go um let's say we're just in a big circle big big circle we're just going steady state you have the wheel cocked maybe like 10 degrees or it's a miata it's pretty slow we'll go 20 degrees um if you go as fast as you possibly can, uh, you know, you're going to have to be like a little bit just feathering that throttle. If you floor it, the car is going to understeer. You're going to lose turning mm-hmm. grip because you've you've taken that weight off the nose. So it's just like taking your weight off your hand. It's just going to slide across the table. Exactly. So, same I idea. That's a pretty good explanation. Yeah. I hope that without helps. Getting, without getting too technical with savvy words. A lot of people like to use the grip circle as the... Um, as the benchmark or like the, but it's, it's like actually not fully true. Like a, like a, like a, a certain, the, the grip circle where you say, okay, if you have a G in each direction mm. and you use a G of braking, then you have no steering left. But I think it's a good way to visualize it, but I don't know that it's necessarily like the scientific proof because when you put more weight over the front wheels, you are increasing the grip of that tire. It's, it's not quite as one-to-one and linear as it is. You would like it to be. Yeah. There is nuance to it. Um, so, but that's a gr- like a grip circle is a great way to get an understanding of like how you're balancing a car and how you're using your available grip. Yeah. I mean, and you'll feel it. I, I mean, mean, just take it this way. Like if you, like the tire doesn't innately have grip, right? Like if you, if you take your car and you put it up on jacks, does that tire have any grip? No. No, it has fuck all. <laughs> but if you're at 200 miles an hour and you've got a bunch of aero, Guess what? That tire's got more grip because you're pushing down on it. Exactly. Downforce gives you grip, baby. That's why the Civic Type R has a wing. And that's how to end it. Eddie, thanks for joining. Oh, thanks for having me. And that's going to conclude today's podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for supporting the channel. Thank you for supporting me. Um, You know, I mean, that's the thing. It's a one-man show in a lot of ways, but that's just the, the creation and the editing and stuff. There's a lot of people involved in this. And when I say thanks for supporting, it's not simply the people who are watching or listening. It's the people who are putting up their cars and saying like, hey, I like what you do. I want you to drive my vehicle. I want it to be showcased the way you do your thing. Go do your thing. Tell me what you think. That means the world to me. Um, and and, I, and I, don't, I don't know what to say. It's, it's crazy that this is a thing. Um, I'm grateful for it every day, even when it feels like a grind. Because sometimes it feels like a grind. But at the end of the day, I'm just, I'm just trying to have my fun and, 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 and bring you along for that experience. So don't forget to respect the drive and I'll see you in the next one.